Yes, welcome in to another episode, episode four of UAP, the Unidentified Alien Podcast. Stephen Diener here, Karen Curtis over there. Hello. Karen, before we get started, how are you? I'm well. Good. I like yeah. to be polite. I want to make sure you're doing well. <laughs> Just yeah. to make sure. Yeah. No encounters uh, this good. week of any kind of, uh, you know, for one, two, three, or five. That, that is good. And we're actually just as a bonus today because, well, there's, there's, everything we do has a reason here on this show. There's, there's a, we actually have a rhyme reason here. It's not hapless. Right. So when we tell you about the different encounters and the levels of alien encounters, it's going to be for a reason. But before we get to that, I'm, I'm just going to jump right into it here today because there's so much information and so many stories that are just kind of eye-popping and eyebrow-raising and also makes you think this cannot be true like what you guys are crackpots you can't be this you can't really believe this but stories here today which is what we mentioned last week presidents and aliens u.s presidents and aliens and there's been a lot believe it or not if you've never heard before a lot of encounters and maybe quite possibly karen even meetings between aliens and presidents. So that's what we're going to get into here today. Big time. And of course, here's Ronnie. Well, I don't suppose we can wait for some alien race to come down and threaten us. Oh, Ron, good old Ron Reagan there. So Ronald Reagan, of course, President Reagan, had inside information from the CIA and NASA and was told that aliens do exist, apparently. So they say. But he couldn't just come out and say it without breaking national security rules. So instead, he kind of subtly hinted at it. Right. Uh, as he met with world leaders and he spoke to the nation. Our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside this world. And yet, I ask you, is not an alien force already among us? Yeah, and he made that speech at the UN. Yes. It was the UN, I guess a General Assembly, whatever you want to call it, in front of all the countries and everything. And it really makes you wonder, I mean, what did he know? I mean, is that just, you know, an, an innocent hypothetical because he's trying to get the point across about working together for world peace? Or was that like a little hint, hint, nod, nod? Well, I think we could take some sort of a tidbit from this and that we're all humans. Mm -hmm. So, you know, in terms of race and all of that, we're all the same. Right. You know, when you think about if someone was going to come in from outer space, then really we're all humans. But apparently Reagan said that he knows that there was a small percentage of other presidents at the U.N. that knew about the existence of aliens. So he was counting on, you know, other people also agreeing with him. <laughs> right. Well, it's true. And it's really I heard something very interesting one time because I'll, I'll bring in Bill Clinton into this. Stories go anyway that Bill Clinton uh, was very interested in aliens, wanted to know all about it, wanted to know about Roswell and what you know we had hidden on the bases and what does the CIA know and all these different things. And he would be digging into it a lot. And one particular story I heard was um, they told him basically stop asking. Like, you're saying that to the president of the United really? States. And Bill Clinton, I mean, you know, think back, was a popular president. So it's not like this was, you know, a president that wasn't well-liked or whatever it was. And that in his time, of course, before some other things happened, he was a popular president and people really liked him. And it got to the point where you had people who were close to him in his inner circle were being told... Tell the president to stop looking into this. Back off on the aliens. And they say because the way that, you know, the, I guess if you want to say the, the real people in charge of these things, the CIA especially, 
Those are career government workers. You're there 30, 40 years. You're in charge of these things. You're working at, you know, Lockheed. You're working at Skunk Works and all these different things. You're at the black sites. But that's all changing now, don't you think? With the government coming out with UFO information? Or should I say UAP? A little bit. But the way that they look at presidents... Even though, you know, the ones who are curious, like Bill Clinton and the other ones we're going to get to here in a minute, they look at them as temporary government employees. <laughs> they do. That's, so that's why, because you're going to be there for, at the most, eight years. So they, they figure, well, we're not going to tell you that much because you're not going to be here that long. And so a lot, a lot of times, presidents, they might find out some, but a lot of times they don't know everything. Well, you decide. Get going to the moon. <laughs> to the moon, honeymooner star Jackie Gleason. He was best friends with Richard Nixon, which, yes. by the way, I did a podcast on Full Rigor. Oh, is that right? About Tricky Dick and living in Key Biscayne and all the shenanigans that went on there with B.B. Rebozo. Oh, my, B.B. <laughs> so anyway, the report in the National Enquirer, which I also did a Full Rigor podcast on, number uh, 83. Yes, one of your other podcasts. <laughs> That's right. Uh, about uh, inquiring minds want to know. But according to the National Enquirer, Jackie Gleason was invited by Richard Nixon to see proof of extraterrestrials at Homestead Air Force Base. Yeah, this is one of my favorite alien stories. My most favorite one we're going to get to yet still here during, during the show today. Um, but this one is just, it's like fantastical like it doesn't seem like it would be real and some people say it's not but listen that's for you to decide because Richard Nixon uh, again one of these presidents who according to the stories actually did know things about aliens and Jackie Gleason and this is a fact was way into aliens UFOs UAPs and trying to figure out what's real I mean come on Tricky Dick tell me what's going on so they would play golf all the time like you said and he would always ask him come on you gotta tell me show me the aliens tell me something and the story goes, one day, or one night, uh, Richard Nixon, when he was down in South Florida, because Jackie Gleason lived in Miami, when he was down in South Florida, left the residence, left the Secret Service behind, and drove his car to Jackie Gleason's house and said, come on, get in. Where, where are we going? Well, this uh, this is according in 1983, eight years after she divorced him, and two years before he died, this would have been Jackie Gleason's wife. Right. And she wrote an article, or maybe somebody else penned it for her in the National Enquirer, saying that she'll never forget the night in 1973 when my famous husband came home, slumped white-faced in an that's armchair, right. and spilled out the incredible story to me. And that's and that's essentially how it how it happened. Beverly Gleason. Beverly Gleason. And so, you know, how did he get to that point? Well, Richard Nixon asked him, "Come in the car. Let's go. Where am I going? I can't tell you." He ends up driving down to Homestead Air Force Base, and says. You know, hey, I'm, I'm the President of the United States, let me in. And he takes him, you know, deep into the bowels of this base on Homestead and says, you want to know about the aliens? Here you go. And shows Jackie Gleason, Richard Nixon, yes, takes Jackie Gleason to the Air Force Base at Homestead to show him alien bodies. That's the way the story goes. That's what his wife told that... When he came home, he was never the same. Like, it, he never got out of his mind. It bothered him for the rest of his life. And quite frankly, she says that he wished he never saw it because it really, like, really bothered him. It, he couldn't even fully describe it because it was so unbelievable. So that if you want to believe it, go ahead. I, I don't put it out of the question. Well, I mean, she tells the story. It was the first thing that got from Jackie Gleason that this happened. There's no proof that there's aliens stored at Homestead Air Force Base? Sure, of course not. It cannot be proven whether or not the former president showed the said aliens to the honeymooner star either. But actually, the Nixon administration staff member, Frank Gannon, mm-hmm. 
He said that Nixon didn't seem to believe in aliens at all. And when pressed, the former president on the subject rolled his eyes like Brooks Kepka. <laughs> right. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but I think that he had a diary, though. So I don't know. It may have confirmed it. There was an official Nixon diary that confirms that he certainly did meet with Gleason in Florida in 1973. So you make up your own mind. I mean, the, the way do, 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 do. exactly the way I look at it is: what would Beverly Gleason, Jackie Gleason's wife, what would she have to gain by making a story like that up? Like, why would you even come out and risk people looking at you funny? Because that's always been the stigma behind when you talk about UFOs, UAPs, aliens, which is why we started doing this. Because finally, that stigma is going away with the UFO, the, the report that came out from the government last month. And they didn't talk about all these things in those reports. They only went back to 2004. So, you know, we want to cover all those things that you don't hear about, that you haven't heard about, that just a casual news observer, you probably have never heard this story before. So that's that's what we like to do is tell you, yeah, this may or may not have happened, but according to Beverly Gleason, you this happened. And I'll tell you, the National Enquirer, which started right here in Lantana, that's right. it broke many stories that turned out to be true. Yeah, that's true. So... You know, don't discredit it because it was a National Enquirer story. I mean, there's a whole other theory, not even a theory, but, you know, talk that's that was on purpose. That Ah. the National Enquirer basically was a front to make people think it only reported silly news when a lot of times it would have the real stories. Right. And speaking of silly, (laughs) uh, Shirley MacLaine, Oscar winner. She gave an interview on WNYC's Leonard Lopates. You know who that is? No, I actually don't. In uh, 2007, on why star beings are so interested in the Earth, and that several U.S. presidents have told her about aliens. So here's old Cheryl. Uh oh. Carter and I have talked about this. He had his own encounter. You know, he wrote about it. Oh, people like Kennedy. The U.S. Air Force assures me that UFOs pose no threat to national security. I like that approach. He knew they were there. He wanted to know what they were. He was not afraid. Reagan had his encounters. Well, there you go. See, again, with Reagan, and you wonder why he talked about that in front of a U.N. assembly. And she mentions Carter there, too. Carter famously was really... One of the first presidents to actually say, I have had encounters with with UFOs. I mean, now we call them UAPs because that's kind of the government term, but it was always UFOs. That's the common term. So it's unidentified. Flying objects. But UAP, unidentified aerial phenomenon. But for us, it's unidentified alien podcast. I'm so confused. (laughs) But yeah, Jimmy Carter filed a report with the International UFO Bureau. That's right. I didn't even know that existed. Yeah, he says he saw a UFO. September 1973, he claimed that he had seen a UFO in October of 1969. He was waiting outside the Lions Club meeting in Leary, Georgia, about 7.30, and there were like 12 other people with him, so they all witnessed the same thing. How about that? It was very brief. Bright object, changing colors. It was about the size of the moon and shaped like a peanut. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I see what you did there, the peanut farmer. So he reported that the object hovered about 30 degrees above the horizon Mm. and then moved in toward the Earth and away before disappearing into the distance. He later told a reporter that after the experience, he vowed never again to ridicule anyone who claimed to have seen a UFO. And And then when he said in his presidential campaign, if I become president, I'm going to look into all this crap. That's right. And he wanted to. And again, we go back to what they said to Clinton. Sorry, you're a temporary employee. We're not telling you everything you want to know. He backed away from his pledge, saying that uh, it was defense implications would pose a threat to national security if they released some of the information. (laughs) His own security. (laughs) Let's be honest. What the heck?
So another president, and this is why we're doing the whole podcast, was uh, Dwight D. Eisenhower. Before he was president, and while he was serving in World War II, he apparently saw, and I didn't know this was a thing, Foo Fighters, I thought it was just a group, a, a band. Right, I know, right, That's this is where they got their name from. This is so interesting, so here's what he saw during World War II before he was president. December 13th, 1944. Commander of Allied Forces in Europe, Dwight Eisenhower, nearly a decade before he's elected president, issues a press release acknowledging that unidentified objects are interacting with Allied planes called Foo Fighters. There you hmm. go. So we're not talking about Dave Grohl and, you know, <laughs> Learn to Fly and Everlong and all those songs. This is this is what they called UFOs during the war. They didn't really know what else to call them. Why they called them Foo Fighters, I'm not exactly Foo sure. Fighter. Maybe FOO stood for Flying... Observed, I don't know. Object, I don't, I'm not really sure, honestly. Um, but if somebody else knows, you can let us know. You can, you know, email the station if you'd like on 850. But it's, it's again, we wanted to get into Eisenhower here because this is really where, I guess, the most extreme example of aliens and presidents and the encounters between the two that I've ever personally heard of in my life, even more than the Richard Nixon story we just told you about Jackie Gleason. Well, it's either... He encountered some twice aliens or he chipped his tooth. But uh-huh. during his presidency, he really didn't talk about aliens like Reagan did. Reagan right. was like, well, I don't suppose we can wait for some alien race to come down and threaten us. He even talked about it with Mikhail Gorbachev from Russia. When you stop to think that we're all God's children, wherever we may live in the world, I couldn't help but say to him, just think how easy his task and mine might be in these meetings that we held. If suddenly there was a threat to this world from some other species from another planet outside in the universe, we'd forget all the little local differences that we have between our countries, and we would find out once and for all that we really are all human beings here on this earth together. Interesting. You know, you don't hear presidents talk like that. You don't hear any politician talk like that as far as making that type of analogy. So, again... Seeing little green men, are we? Right. So, you know... Can you imagine if Biden did that now? It would be interesting. So, it it begs the question, was that just Ronald Reagan using an analogy? Was something he thought was fitting? Or did he know more than he was ever letting on? I mean, again, this is a guy in Ronald Reagan who really initiated a lot of the... What we see now is Space Force. He was initiating that with like the Star Wars and things That's like that. That's right, the Star Wars thing. What was he talking about? Well, But Eisenhower really never talked about it. This is as close as he got to it in terms of science and national security. My subject tonight is science and national security. Originally, uh, this talk was to be part of one I intend to make in Oklahoma City next week. However, I found that I could not possibly deal with the subject in just one address. So here's the deal with Eisenhower, okay? Now follow me here. I'm following. <laughs> okay, this is this is kind of a wild story. Now you mentioned the dentist appointment for the chipped tooth. There's a reason for that. He's in Palm Springs. Correct. And this now, is in uh, February 1954. 54. Okay, that's what I thought. I wasn't sure if it was 53 or 54. So 1954, he's in Palm Springs for you know he's doing his presidential thing, and in the middle of the night. He's at the Smoking Tree Ranch, by the way. Oh, good. Which I don't even... <laughs> Why is the tree smoking? Maybe next week we'll do the, the podcast live from Smoking Tree Ranch. <laughs> How about that? Huh. So, in the middle of the night, he gets into a car and goes to one of the bases in that area. And from there... And by the way, at yes. the same time, AP reports that he died. 
Yeah, so there of was a, a heart attack. That's right. And I mean, because uh, listen, okay, just like I mentioned with Nixon leaving in the middle of the night to go get Jackie Gleason, when a president leaves, now this is 20 years earlier, okay, for, for Roosevelt. Now, remember the times, too, we're nine years removed from World War II. Right. So, yes, we're in peacetime, but there's still, you know, it's in the back of everybody's mind still. We just came out of that conflict that changed the world. And you have a president in Eisenhower who was one of the main generals during the war. Right. Who has gone off the radar. And so now and you have saw to, Foo Fighters. Yes. So now you have to try to think of, well, what are we going to tell people? And now you have the AP reporting that he's dead, which obviously wasn't the case. And then so the night goes on, right? Eisenhower, as the story goes, ends up at one of the bases in that area by Palm Springs. And for the purpose of meeting face to face, shaking hands, sitting down, breaking bread with aliens. He went to Edward, Edward Air Force Base is what they believe, where he That's met right. with two ETs with white hair, pale blue eyes, and colorless lips. Now, those are called the Nordics. No, it's Anderson Cooper. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it was an earlier incarnation of Anderson Cooper. <laughs> Maybe yeah. Anderson Cooper's a Nordic. So those were those are referred to as the Nordics. And they typically people describe them as looking like somebody from like Norway. They're Scandinavian humans traveled to Edwards from another solar system that's on a flying say. saucer. That's right. That's 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 what they say about the Nordics. And they had a telepathic communication. Yes. Now, and that's pretty much what... Which, which, by the way, they just came out with new technology just this last weekend where they can take your thoughts and have words come out of the computer as you're thinking. There you go. So That's it makes, telepathic. Yeah, sure. So it makes you wonder, you know, where? how did we always have this leap in technology so quickly with all these different things, right? Now, that's a different story for a different day. We can theorize on that all we want. But when it comes to Eisenhower and this meeting with the Nordics, basically the story goes, the idea behind these meetings was to get technology. We're, we're, we're in an arms race. You know, we're trying to beat the Russians and everything like that at that point. And, you know, we're, it wasn't the Cold War yet, but, you know, the, things were starting to escalate when it comes to all this. You still have all the spyware going on and you're, you're, you want to be the best, right? You want to have all the best resources if you ever get into a war again. And Eisenhower being a general, of course, has that in the front of his mind. So he's thinking, well, what can we do to talk to these interstellar beings to get their technology? What kind of deals can we make? That's right. The Nordics wanted to share their superior technology and their spiritual wisdom with right. Ike if he would agree to eliminate America's nuclear weapons because they were worried we were going to screw up and blow up some of our nuclear technology and apparently that would impact other planets. In fact, our friend Shirley McLean, this uh -oh. is what she said. If this planet is destroyed, the atmosphere feels it and the outer ionosphere feels it etc and besides they care about us and they don't want to see in some cases what they consider their children to be self-destructive well, remember we blew up a huge bomb over the atoll yeah in 1962 the starfish prime test it was 500 times more powerful than the bomb that fell in hiroshima goodness so i mean it was a fusion bomb right so we have done that sure and it gets their attention, or at least, you know, we theorize anyway Apparently that it, it gets their attention. it pisses them off because it affects the whole universe. I mean, we just talked a couple of weeks ago about the Maelstrom Air Force Base incident where they're shutting down our nukes. So, you know, it, it, we got their attention throughout history, and that's why they would always show up, and they still do show up like the Nimitz, where we got this video from 2014 and how this all came about recently, just these things start coming out in the public. They're like, those damn humans are going to end up screwing up the entire universe for us. I'm telling you. I mean, the Nimitz has nuclear capabilities. So 
they always end up on places like that. But so things don't work out with the Nordics, right? Obviously, Eisenhower's like, no, deal's off the table. We're not getting rid of our nukes. Right. So. Sometime later in 1954, he reached to deal with another race of extraterrestrials known as the Greys. And this is probably the most famous one that you always hear about, the most famous depiction anyway. Now, whether or not you knew they had a name is a different story, but they are called the Greys. It's, it's what you think they are. They're the little gray aliens with the big eyes and the big head and, you know, the little, uh, I slits guess, for nose. slits for nose, little holes there and, you know, like a really tiny razor thin mouth. It's it's the depiction you normally see like on X-Files yeah, or something. Yeah, we were going to call our podcast Fifty Shades of Grays. Yeah, we couldn't do that. Yeah. No, 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 no. That, was <laughs> that wasn't allowed. But so, in the end, a deal is struck with the Grays between Eisenhower and the Grays and his generals and things like that. And basically the deal was, and this sounds horrible, but this is the way the story goes, they could do studies on humans which is where a lot of these abduction stories come from. And they could also capture earthling cattle and humans for medical experiments. And you always hear about the mutilation stories of cattle. And in return, we get... Provided they return the humans safely home. Well, you know, there's always caveats. And in return, we get their uh, technology, weapons, communication, all the good stuff. And, you know, obviously, soon after, what, you're talking 15 years later, we're landing on the moon. I mean, that's a pretty big jump in technology from just learning how to fly off an aircraft carrier during World War II, and then, you know, 20 years later, we're landing on the moon. I'm just saying. I'm just, like, how do we... I, I, I know we're a smart species, and we, we come up with brilliant things in time of need. I mean, my gosh, just look at the pandemic. We came up with a vaccine in less than a year for you know, multiple vaccines. So I understand human ingenuity, but you got to get this stuff from somewhere. Like, you can't just start from scratch and think... We went from, like, eating bananas in a cave to, you know, going to the moon in 200 years. <laughs> it's, it's, it happened really quick. And so it just makes you wonder, did it, where did that... Where, where did we start from when it came to a launch pad for all this technology that we have now? And, well, they say it started with these meetings with Eisenhower... And the Greys. And, like, and then Einstein may be getting something from the Cossack record, you know, the, oh. the universe where these, you know, extraterrestrials are sending messages to people telepathically and giving them information so they can invent the iPhone and they can, you know, come up with their scientific theories. I've heard different theories of that, you know, when it comes to Tesla and Einstein and things like that. You know, how are they, Da Vinci, how are they so far ahead of everybody? Who knows? I mean, I'm not really sure on, on how all that works. Maybe they're just geniuses. But when it comes to this, I'm sorry. And again, we we mentioned, well, where did Eisenhower go? Well, right? Here's the question. Did he really meet an ET or ETs 50 years ago? So not to our knowledge, according to this guy who is the archivist for the Eisenhower Library. What does he know? <laughs> he's, like, he's like a bookworm. It's his job to lie. There's nothing in the archives that indicate that. His name is Herb Pankratz. Okay, Pankratz. Sure. He says it's interesting that these stories have changed, he says, but initially the accounts claimed that the president made a secret trip to Edwards Air Force Base to view the remains of aliens that had crashed at Roswell Okay. in 1947. Later, the stories claimed that he actually visited the live aliens. Correct. And so he doesn't buy either story. Um, and then he cites the U.S. Surgeon General's records on Ike's medical and dental history. There was opened up to researchers in 1991, and it reported on that fateful night, February 20th, 1954. 
Yes. Ike chipped his porcelain cap on a chicken wing. So that was the official excuse, and it's in the Upper archives. Upper left central incisor. Yes, of course. That, that is in the archives because, I mean, of course, it's not, it's completely impossible, Karen, to uh, dental records for the president. I mean, no, but you can't do that. That's impossible. So those things are in. Well, he had well-documented difficulties with this crown. Oh, yeah. oh, yes. Those crowns can be very tough. Huh. So it's either alien encounter or he was in the dentist chair. That's the excuse they came up with. Yeah. Like, they, they couldn't think of anything better. So. You make up your own mind. I mean, that's really, that's, but that, that's, that's the gist of it. I mean, Eisenhower's meeting, and this is backed up, by the way, by some people in his family who say this is not only, not a dispute within our family, but it's a known fact within our family. It's a story that he told us, and it's been passed down to the generations now within the he Eisenhower family. He said his family. daughter talked about it. I think his daughter, and then went down to his granddaughter, his great-granddaughter, and they've I believe his great-granddaughter specifically has has uh, talked about this story uh, before. And it's just it just makes you wonder, you know, again, you can believe what you want, but <laughs> it's just, again, we got this technology from somewhere, and why not why not this? I mean, you hear about all these abduction stories, and you, you think to yourself, well, gee, and all these abduction stories, they talk about all the aliens look the same. They're always gray aliens with the big eyes, and that's who, you know, they say Eisenhower met those, with. Those beings with the big eyes dropped off more of those pointy things in, that's in the it. Egyptian desert. Yes, exactly. Can you imagine seeing that? But it, it's, yeah, so it's... You that know. would be pyramids. That's right. We're talking. By the way, that's uh, Laura Magdalene Eisenhower, the great granddaughter. I'm talking about who talks about the story being a known fact within the family. So if you want to look her up, but it's uh, it's an interesting story to consider at the very least. Kelly, and you speak about abductions. Next week, that's what we're going to talk about and have actual cases where people, you know, claim they were abducted. And that's what I wanted to ask you because Stephen is an expert on all things alien and UFO and UAP. Um, so I was watching uh, on the History Channel, what is it called? Ancient Aliens. Sure. And uh, they were talking about the close encounters of the one through five kind. So the mm. first kind is what? Do you know? First kind, I would assume, I don't know by heart, but I would assume that's just you see something in the sky. It's sighting of one or more UFOs at a distance of 500 feet or less. Oh, it's very specific. Okay. Oh, yes. Okay. Of the second kind, close encounter? Second kind? Maybe seeing a landed craft, possibly? Sighting of a UFO with associated physical effects, heat, oh. electrical interference, etc. So if you see it basically uh, speed off out of nowhere. And your distance. car, like, you know how they the cars stop and stall right. and they have no way you can't function it when they're there? Mm-hmm. Um, the third kind? Close encounter of the third kind, which like was a movie. movie. yeah. Uh, sighting of an animated being, presumably an alien, but not specifically defined as such. Okay, so physical, physical uh, contact, a, right? An alien. Um, also, of the fourth kind, human abduction by an alien. So that's what we're going to talk about next right. week. Right. And this must include also voluntary experiences. It may. So you could voluntarily, like Ike, going to meet with them. That would have been. A close encounter of the fourth kind for Ike. Right. Yes, that's true. So, and I'm telling you, with some of these stories that we'll talk about next week, when it comes to uh, the fourth kind, if you will, abduction stories, there's some pretty damning evidence with some of these abduction stories because we talked about the deals, and they all tell the same story. They're all the same, and I'm just going to tell you right now, as far as you know, uh, something to consider until next week. How do you come back with a chip that's been implanted in your body, and you have no idea? You have missing time. Missing time is a key. And you have a chip 
that has been physically taken out of your body by a surgeon who can attest to the fact that it was not there before and you have no idea how the chip got in What's your body. What's on the chip? It, I mean, they say it's some type of tracker, but they don't they don't really know. And it's, it's but there's there's one there's a couple really famous stories that we'll get to next week, and we'll talk about some of those, uh, you know, people coming back with unexplained missing time, unexplained implants in their bodies, and the more famous one of the more famous ones was a, a couple. I have to remember their names. I have to look up their names before next week. But it was a couple in the '60s who uh, say they were abducted. And we're basically showing like all these interstellar secrets. It's it's a wild story. They're saying sometimes it's sleep paralysis. I just had another episode of that. Mm-hmm. Could possibly be this. They say that sometimes. Yeah, I mean, and I'll I can speak from experience. I get sleep paralysis once I in a while. I do too. It's awful. It is no fun. Now I've never experienced anything out of the ordinary with it, other than just being, oh my gosh, I'm awake and I can't and- move. <sighs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that that's no fun, but so there are more serious, more extreme reports of sleep paralysis. So uh, close encounters of the fifth kind, right? Voluntary bilateral contact between humans and extraterrestrials. I guess that would be Ike Eisenhower too. Yeah, so like setting up a, a, a meeting, meeting, right? A little meet and greet. That's correct. And then of the sixth <laughs> kind, death of a human or animal associated with a UFO sighting. Because wow, we never really hear of malevolence, but sometimes that can happen. Cattle mutilations would fall into this category. The sixth kind, seventh kind, the creation of a human-alien hybrid. Oh my! Either by sexual reproduction or by artificial scientific methods, and you know there's some people that say that our DNA has been sliced and, and edited by aliens because so, there's really no missing link from you know the caveman people the Neanderthals and then us yeah and I know that well that's we can do a whole episode on that and we will in the future especially when it comes to the Anunnaki if you never heard of them before <gasps> the Anunnaki just remember that name <laughs> that's all I have to say by the way there are seven subcategories of close encounters of the third kind oh wow a, a being is witnessed inside a UFO. Oh. B, a being is witnessed both inside and outside a UFO. Wow. C, a being is witnessed in the vicinity of a UFO. Okay, so he's just running away he's, or running back. I forgot my keys. <laughs> a D, a being is observed without the presence of a UFO. They've lost their car. Oh, no. Uh, but it, like you at Disney. <laughs> That's right, yes. But so. <laughs> but UFO activity is reported in an area around the same time. It's got to be here somewhere. I parked it next to the Smoking Tree Ranch. So next time you see somebody looking for their car in a Walmart parking lot and with the, with the tennis ball on the antenna, that might be a UFO who's lost the lost vehicle. They put a alien. tennis ball on their yes. antenna. That's right. Uh, and then E is the same as D, but a UFO activity is not reported in the area and they can't find their ship. Uh, F, no entity or UFOs are witnessed, but the subject experiences some kind of communication. Hmm. And G, abduction, the same as a close encounter of the fourth kind. Okay. So basically it's just the fourth kind. And by the way, there's an eighth possible subcategory. Really? Are they still working on that one? No, an alien is injured, captured, or killed. Okay, so like the Roswell crash. Swing, what was it? Oh, swing away! From swing signs. away! Swing away, Meryl! Swing away, Meryl! Love that movie. <laughs> so good. Great movie. Swing away, Meryl! He like knocks his head off with a baseball That's bat. That's right. Yes. Swing away, Meryl! Meryl! Swing away!
Mel Gibson in Signs. Yes. I couldn't take that movie. It was so scary when the fingers come oh, out suspense. from under the, the closet door. Oh, my gosh. The suspense oh, of that movie. my God. And uh, water. Who knew? Water it was, was like the, the Wicked Witch. But if we have time, let me ask you, do we, do we have time, Karen? Yeah. Because I can tell one more story. Go ahead. About uh, aliens. Swing away, Dina. Yes, thank you. Well, and this is this is more conspiracy theory, but they say, and <laughs> again, we've gone through some crazy stories today. But remember, Burl Ives. Yes. You know, Frosty the Snow. Frosty Swing the Snowman, away, right? Burl. Yes. Or uh, I'm, I'm sorry, not Frosty. Rudolph. Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer. He sings the whole thing. He plays Sam the Snowman and Rudolph. Good old Burl Ives. Well, apparently, the story goes. That Burl Ives was very good friends with Marilyn Monroe. She wrote him a letter. Really? And he has, I've seen pictures of the letter because he showed it on, you know, the documentary I was watching. Because he kept the letter and supposedly the letter that he kept, he told people this was from Marilyn Monroe. She gave me this letter. She slept with an alien. Uh, well, she slept with the Kennedys. So. <laughs> <laughs> Both of them. And so this at is at the same time. Uh, Speaking of presidents, well, that's maybe we'll have to put a different rating on this on the show if I <laughs> get into that part of the story. Was it a close encounter of the third kind? Yeah, I would say. But so apparently, she wanted to know, and according to this letter that Burl Ives says that she wrote to him, she wanted to know from Jack Kennedy, John F. Kennedy, that about aliens, and that John F. Kennedy wanted to know about aliens, and he was telling her different things, and well. How did they both end up, right? So that goes back to... Oh, they both... But Burl Ives didn't end up. No, but Burl Ives tells the story in the sense of they were offed because of their <gasps> involvement. They wouldn't no. let it go. They wouldn't, and, and Marilyn Monroe, in the letter to Burl Ives that he says she wrote, was saying that she was so upset that John F. Kennedy was basically ignoring her. It's kind of like, you know, in today's terms, we would say that he was ghosting her. And saying, you know, I don't want anything to do with you anymore. And she felt scorned and was saying that she was going to come out. She wrote in this letter, supposedly, that she was going to come out and tell the press what John F. Kennedy had told her about aliens. Oh, so it was about aliens and not that they slept together. Well, that in pillow that talk. That too. Yes. In so every, pillow talk. Everything, everything was going to come out, that they were sleeping together. That was, was, was that good her, for you? By the way, I met with some grays. That's correct. And so she was essentially saying, you know, threatening him. You know, pay attention to me or I'm going to come out and tell all the secrets. Well, she's gone untimely. He's gone untimely. And Burl Ives says, here it is in the letter. This is why. Burl Ives of all people. <laughs> Which is why, going back to what we said at the beginning of the episode, when Bill Clinton wanted to know more, someone came to one of his close personal friends and told him, told them to tell the president, stop looking into it because he's asking too many questions. So there you go, ladies and gentlemen. That's an amazing, amazing story. Presidents and aliens. I just... On this episode four of UAP, Unidentified just, Alien Podcast. You just rocked my world. How do you like that? And it all came well, back together. I don't suppose we can wait for some alien race to come down and threaten us. Thank you, Ron Reagan. <laughs> the great communicator. So I look forward to next week. Me too. When we can get into some of the things we talked about, alien abduction stories. I'm going to dig up that Mar Marilyn Monroe letter so we can read it to you guys. Yes, and maybe look for that on uh, our uh, Instagram page on 850WFTL. You can look for that on Instagram and Facebook. If uh, we can get that up there, you can take a look at the letter we're talking about that Burl Ives had. Yeah, download our UAP podcast. We're on all of the platforms wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure that you subscribe mm -hmm. and download and give us five extraterrestrial stars. Yes, please. <laughs>
And like Karen said, find us anywhere you look for your podcast, Apple, Spotify, any of that good stuff. And also catch us every Monday through Friday in the South Florida Morning Show with Jen and Bill right on 850 WFTL, 6 to 10 a.m. is where you can find us all hanging out there as well. If you go to that website, 850WFTL.com, you can hear us. You can also get all of our podcasts. So That's right. They're all there. Totally want to thank you all. No excuses. You can find the podcast anywhere. Yeah, thank and no, you. No excuses next week as well, where you can tune in to hear about all the alien abduction stories, because some of these are pretty wild. It'll be episode five. Thanks. Talk to you then.